Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. What a gift to be together in worship today. My name's Drew Shelley, one of the pastors here. If I haven't met you, I hope to do that before you leave here this morning. And uh, just a reminder, we always have a great fellowship time uh, after this service. We've got about 15 minutes before Sunday school or life groups, and you can uh, slip into the fellowship hall through those doors and enjoy some, some breakfast food, some coffee, and especially some good, good fellowship. Let's pray together. Oh God, we give you thanks for the beauty of this day, for the beauty of our sisters and brothers in Christ. We pray for one another now as we open your word. Help us to hear, to listen, to do. We pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to stir, would continue to stir in our hearts and minds and spirits that we may be transformed by what you say to us this day. We pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus, the one who loves us best. Amen. We hear from chapter 13 of Hebrews, verses 1 through 6. Let's hear the word of God. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them, Those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured, let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he, Jesus, has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? This is the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. Today, we're we're talking, as Sally alluded to, to, we're talking about contentment in this series called Enough, Discovering Joy Through Simplicity and Generosity. One of the pathways to simplicity is through what we might call the Garden of Contentment. Simplicity, you get there through the garden of contentment. I'm probably not the best person to talk about contentment, 
Uh, I am content in a general sense, but I'm always looking around to see if I can find anything that might help me be even more content than I was before. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you understand. Yes, always just got an eye out to make sure. I, I, love, I love gadgets and new technology, those kinds of things. I enjoy a little bling in my wardrobe, if you understand. I, I got this nice watch out of a magazine. It was $69.99, but it looks a lot fancier than that. I'm really proud to wear it all the time. My daughter, Annabelle, she, she came rolling into preschool one morning when we first got here. This has been about three years ago. She had on four necklaces. She had on two bracelets on each arm. She had four bracelets on two. They had to make a rule that you couldn't wear all that to nursery school because of Annabelle. She had on sparkly shoes, too. She walked in the door, and her teacher said, Woo, Annabelle, you look fancy this morning. She said, I know. I get it from my daddy. <laughs> it's true at our house. That's kind of how it is. I, I love new cars and trucks, too, especially all the new technology, all the, those 360 bird's-eye view cameras, that Dodge truck that's got a diesel that'll go 1,000 miles on one tank of diesel. Isn't that something? I love to read about that. I would love to have some of those things. But, but I'll tell you, I've started changing a little bit. I, I just bought a new-to-me 17-year-old luxurious road machine, 17 years old. It's got 185,000 garage-kept easy miles, and it's beautiful. It's a big old car. I love my car, but it is old. Everything in it is dated. I think uh, the GPS is actually an etch-a-sketch with a little man behind it turning the dials to tell you where to go, but I still love it. It's got the dumbest cup holder design you ever saw, but it's so comfortable. And it's got a big V8 engine in it that puts a big smile on my face every time I put my foot in it on 840. I haven't gotten any tickets yet. And it was so cheap. I just, I'm just so happy with it. I'm so, I'm so content with it, and I don't really understand why. It's nothing like what I'm always dreaming about, but I love the thing. Shannon says, give it six months, and I'll be on to something else. And she's probably right. Contentment, contentment. It's interesting how contentment changes over time, how we change, and how what matters to us changes over time. Contentment can be quite elusive. It's tempting to keep this conversation at the surface level about cars and jewelry and stuff, but that's not really what, what this is about, not, not really at all. Let's, let's go a little deeper. Hebrews 13, what we just read, takes us to a much deeper, better place. This, this is a powerful letter, the whole letter of Hebrews, helping first century Hebrew Christians understand the magnificence and the importance of Jesus. In the face of their complicated lives and persecutions and threats, the writer of Hebrews is encouraging them to, no matter what, stay faithful to Jesus. That's the call throughout the letter. Stay faithful to Jesus. He is the key to everything. To abandon this way of life is to abandon God's greatest gift. The warnings that come in chapters 11 through 13, while they can make us quite uncomfortable, and they do even as we read just part of it today, but they shouldn't make us afraid. This is not a letter of threat. It is a letter of encouragement, as if to say, God has given you the most perfect gift. Why would you ever ignore or abandon your faithfulness to Jesus as a response to that gift? That's the spirit of the thing, of the whole letter. 
We come now to this chapter 13. The, the encouragement is coming fast and furious. Let mutual love continue. Show hospitality to strangers. You're entertaining angels. Remember those in prison and those who are being tortured as if you were there right with them. Be faithful in your marriage. Honor your spouse. Don't be wandering around looking for greener pastures and pretending like sowing wild oats is okay. Don't do that. And then comes verse 5. It's much more clear if we go straight from the Greek. In your way of living, this is verse 5, in your way of living, be without covetousness. You be without covetousness and be content with the present that you have because Jesus has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, let's unpack that a little bit. We start with content, we start with covetousness. Now, what is covetousness? To covet is to want what your neighbor has, her car, her jewelry, her husband, his tools, his children, his abilities, his house, whatever. All of that way of living, covetousness, that's a recipe for discontent, isn't it? That's a way to make certain that you're always discontent. Covetousness drives that need for more and better. Now, I'm not talking about a healthy dissatisfaction with the status quo that leads to personal growth. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, I want what they have, and I will do whatever I have to do to get it. That's covetousness. I was talking with Shannon about all this on Monday. That's my wife. And she, she said, so often we want more because we are unhappy, sometimes deeply, deeply unhappy the more that we get makes us feel better in the moment, but we are still not content. We are not content because we are not seeking God, our creator. We are seeking easier alternatives which simply don't work. But we don't like to talk about this. We don't like to talk about it too much at all. We don't talk about our unhappiness because to do so, would be to admit something very personal about the way we feel about ourselves, that we actually do often think we are not good enough, wise enough, smart enough, spiritual enough to matter to God. The reason for that is because we aren't seeking the key to true life, the one who is Jesus. Our desire for more, why, it just becomes a mask for this deep unhappiness. We learn over time to, to delight in the frivolous, <laughs> publicly laughing and playing and dancing in the trash heap of life, privately weeping, weeping at our deep disconnection from the one who loves us, from the one who made us, the one who wants to save us, from the one who invites us to revel in the good stuff, in his life and love and in community with all those whom God has made. When we get this way, we just keep trying to treat symptoms of a much deeper sickness. We treat it with whatever medicine we can find. Sometimes we find a combination that works for a while, but that discontent always lurks just beneath the surface, driving unhelpful and sometimes unholy actions which take us further down this rabbit hole. Meanwhile, the old devil just laughs delighting in his ability to do absolutely nothing but keep us trapped in our own negativity and busyness 
which inhibits the real healing to be found in Jesus, who is the key. Discontent and covetousness teach us that we have not taken time to deal with the sin and brokenness which is at the heart of the human condition, which is at the heart of our condition too. While we have likely not rejected this magnificent Jesus written about in Hebrews, how often, how often have we put him in the closet with the Christmas decorations, choosing the familiar, the familiar and empty over rich, intentional time spent in the gracious presence of the one who loves us best, the one who promises to save and make us whole. The truth is, sisters and brothers, we can never will ourselves into contentment. You can't just make yourself content. We can use gratitude lists and positive affirmations and have little sticky notes all over our desks. I've got them on mine to remind me. But the only real treatment for this condition is time soaking in the presence of Almighty God, time spent allowing the Holy Spirit to wash us and make us whole. In these moments, we discover the truth of the Scriptures that we really are made in the image of God, that God really does love us too much to leave us where he found us, that God actually does have some purpose and meaning for our lives through which God wants to change the world for the better, we begin to believe the truth of the gospel, that God wants us and loves us just because. Contentment and simplicity are to be found there in the heart of God. You can learn a lot about life from children, especially the little ones. Our little TJ is is just two. He just turned two back in September, and he really only knows that we love him very much and that he is very important to us. That's all he knows. The world has not taught him any lies about his sacred worth yet. Most of the time, He is absolutely delightful, even with that solemn face that he wears all the time. But on days when Shannon tries to clean the house, on those days, as soon as she starts, he gets very upset. As soon as she starts working, whether she's dusting or straightening or getting the mop out or whatever, he presents himself right by her side like a seed tick. And he makes this noise. He does that for hours, hours, hours. That's just what he does every single time she starts. If she just gets a broom out, he comes right to her side and does that. She's starting to figure it out, but for the longest time, she just thought, well, he needs something. Does he need some food? Is he hungry? No, it's not that. Is he sick? No, it's not that. Does he need a diaper? Usually, but that's not what's wrong. Does he have a fever? No. Does he need a drink? No. Does mommy need a drink? Probably so at this point. All day long. He's just standing there making that sound. Ah, ah, ah. Finally, at the end of the longest day in the world for a mama, she sits down. And what does he do? He crawls up in her lap. He gives her the biggest hug. He smiles. He laughs. He chatters. And he sits with her, sits with her for an hour. What did he want? He wanted an hour of stillness in the presence of the one who loves him best. That's all he wanted. He's a different child after that hour. Children know what they need, and they know how to get it. Adults forget, and life 
is suddenly too complicated for us to make the time. That is why we must decide to make time to seek God's wisdom about priorities, about simplifying life, and what it actually means to be saved and made whole. If Jesus is the key to it all, as Hebrew says, faithfulness to Jesus, demonstrated by time spent with him, loving God and neighbor, why, that's the lock on the door to a better way of life. Let's keep working to put the key in the lock and open that door so we can go through it together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen. 